you know, there's a lot of consumers out there are not quite as concerned about energy savings as what we in the industry are. They don't care about that. They want a cozy home. They want a safe home. They want their kids to have less outbreaks of asthma. They want there not to be mold or mildew in their house. They don't want radon in there. I mean, they want a healthier home. This is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value. Brought to you by America's insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. Welcome to the R-Value Podcast. On today's episode, you're going to hear an interview I did with Steve Skodak at the Building Performance Association's National Home Performance Conference in Seattle. For those of you that don't know Mr. Skodak, he is the CEO of the Building Performance Association, but more than that, this is an organization that many of us used to refer to as the Weatherization Show, and now he is really opening that to contractors of all walks of life. There's still a focus on weatherization, but there's a focus on market rate contractors, home performance of all types, multifamily building performance. It's really a great show, and I can't wait for you to hear the interview. My background, for 34 years I've been managing organizations that are membership-based and um, have some charitable component or some kind of fundraising component to it. And um, started my career in the YMCA, uh, worked for a software company that developed turnkey systems uh, for operations of nonprofits, YMCA's, YWCA's, Jewish Community Centers, um, and then worked at various other nonprofit profits, Optimist International, which is a, a uh, civic service organization like Rotary or Kiwanis. And uh, at the heart have always been a group of people who come together around a certain purpose and want to accomplish something. And so had a tremendous opportunity with the merging of all the different entities into what is now the Building Performance Association. Um, had a chance to come in as the first full-time CEO and uh, did so three years ago and uh, roughly five weeks before COVID hit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, a financially challenged organization that was really trying to find its way and uh, came in and and we've had a challenging three years, but um, really are in a much better position today than what we were three years ago. Uh, very excited about what we're doing right now, um, having our policy team and, and uh, our members and our affiliates go out there and get uh, this legislation passed, our Hope for Homes, and have the Homes legislation in there and see, um, you know, see this billions of dollars in consumer incentives out there and hundreds of millions of dollars in training dollars to get people in our industry, uh, to add people in our industry to build the capacity. So it's been a very exciting time. Cool. Well, I know because um, we participated in the Home Performance Coalition 
you know, years ago. And I remember, you know, a couple of shows going well and a couple going okay. And the organization was kind of transitional. You you could tell that. So as you said, they all came together. Well, last year in Nashville, that was that was actually a very cool show. I saw a lot of for-profit contractors, not-for-profit contractors, programs. So You've been growing the organization. Like, where was it three years ago versus the base that you have today? So three years ago, we were we were communicating with maybe seven to eight thousand people in our industry each week. Uh, that number's about twenty three thousand now of people who are out there. Uh, we take a a broad view of the industry. We rep- we're an industry association, not a trade association. So we represent the industry as a whole, which includes some of the low to moderate income. So we have weather assistance program people, but we also have market rate contractors. And that really is kind of the lion's share of the work that's being done in, in, for the incentives that are coming up in the Homes Bill that was in, in the Inflation Reduction Act. So in the growth model, uh, what we've done is looked at building affiliate networks at the state level. So coming into a state, uh, working with the state energy office to develop an assessment of that state, kind of where they are. Um, Department of Energy had funded us, as had E4 the Future had funded us for some work on kind of understanding where the marketplace was nationally. What are the challenges that are facing market rate contractors? Labor, of course, came out on top that uh, people were very concerned about their ability, their capacity to do uh, the jobs also about the sustainability of the model of a market rate energy efficiency contractor. You know, we, we have an enormous amount of people going into people's homes to address HVAC and windows and, and insulation and all of that. But the whole home approach really has a, a need as we look at the energy policy for the, for the U.S. And to that end, we see from an association standpoint, we view that as a pretty significant need in the country as this market rate contractor who has the capacity to do the number of homes. So if you look at if you look at President Biden's administration, if you look at each state governor's energy office, if you look at Secretary Granholm, the work that they're doing, Department of Energy and the goals, these are some pretty aggressive numbers when you talk about the number of homes that they need to have retrofitted in order to get the kind of savings and um, really move toward that that efficiency goal. So as an association, our focus became broadly on the industry as a whole, but very specifically, we cover this little niche of energy efficiency retrofits of existing home stocks. So when when you look at that from a state energy office, that's a very small sliver. For us, it seems very broad because we're talking about the industry as a whole, not just the contractor, but the program implementers, the state energy offices who are doing it, uh, the weather assistance program uh, implementer. We look at all these things, it seems broad to us, but from a state energy office policy side and part of their job, it's a pretty defined widget for them. And we said state energy offices don't have the capacity in, in a lot of places. There are some very well-oiled machines, state energy offices, New York's, Massachusetts, California, those kinds of places where they, they're uh, well-funded, they're well-organized. But when we get out to other states like you know Maine or West Virginia or Nevada or any of the other states that we 
are building affiliate networks in, those state energy offices are much smaller. They have a really broad uh, charge. So, I mean, they're working on nuclear energy, they're working on hydro, hydroelectric, they're working on, and here we are in this energy efficiency retrofit for existing home stock. And, and you look at that and you say, we can take that off their plate. We can really help them by organizing. So our, our model uh, over the last couple of years has been, and more specifically last year, uh, was to go into a state, do a state assessment of the needs for energy efficiency retrofit market there, find out is the, is the need drawing people into the labor force? Is it getting them educated? Is it finding ways for them to participate in apprenticeship program? And so we've, we've taken on all of those tasks as, as we've gone through and organized the state. And then we work with state energy offices to fund those on the ground in that state to do the work that meets the, meets the goals of that energy office in that given state. That brings up something. I was talking with uh, one of your gentlemen, Xavier, Yep. And you guys are setting up, so many of these energy offices aren't familiar with everything going on. They're not familiar with the Inflation Reduction Act and all of that. He said that you guys are setting up local organizations for contractors to work with the state energy office so that at the front end of all this, they start to know what's going on and they see the direction the state's going. They might even get input in that. Is right, that, for that sure. Correct? For sure. And so part of that process as we go in and offer to expand the capacity of that state energy office through our, our work is through the assessment process, we find the contractors, we find the manufacturers in that given state or territory. We find all the organizations that are in there who are doing good job training programs, who are doing outreach, who are doing Justice 40 programs, you know, HUD, any number of organizations who are working in that state and we find out who's the dominant players in there who are doing well who do exceptional work but are underfunded they don't have the capacity but they need a little infusion we find there's there is an awful lot of stellar work being done out there but it's somewhat in obscurity because they don't have the reach people don't know what they're doing and we can shine a spotlight on these programs that are working really well and then through the model, we've done um, grant execution by state. So we then go back to those state offices, apply for uh, funding to support those things that are happening locally on the ground and implement those programs with people who are actually in that state. So it's not BPA coming in and hiring people and putting them on the ground. It's BPA coming in facilitating these allied groups of manufacturers, these affiliate groups of contractors, talking to them about what they need. They know best what, what need, is needed in their market. So we facilitate that and then we help them receive funding to, to boost that. A lot of our guys, the, they may never see program money, but I also want them to know in terms of the organiz organization, because you guys have not just a national and local presence, but you also have uh, your support, like your state pages, your forums, things like that. You know, this show, I, I have to say that I've seen incredible breakouts every time I've come. Uh, some of them were some of the best marketing breakouts I've seen for insulation, building performance, all of that. As you look at the organization, how do they plug into this? Where, where do they fit into this as a group coming in? Because you're really expanding the organization. It's really important for us 
to have the market rate contractor understand the uh, value proposition that they offer in the market. And um, we work to provide resources that help them market, promote, and position themselves in a marketplace to take full advantage of the fact that they're a whole home approach. You know, wealthy people get their houses done whenever they want them done. Low to moderate income, they get their homes done through weather assistance programs and, and uh, some of the other indoor air quality abatement issues that HUD um, grantees will come in and, and do. But it's the market rate person and the market rate contractor that our focus was on for the legislation which was passed this last August, which created $9 billion in consumer incentives to the uh, people who, some of that has income, you know, has uh, income guidelines on, but it really is hitting that targeted market of the consumer who doesn't have a ton of money, but also doesn't qualify for low-income programs to incentivize them to make decisions about getting their house sealed and uh, getting more efficient, more efficient heating, cooling, um, and water heating in there. When you look at the show itself, you know, I've seen, oh gosh, building envelope, blower doors, healthy homes, BPI credits. I mean, we have, um, I mean, you got a couple of hundred different presentations yeah, going on. hundred breakouts. Yeah. I've never heard of that. And you look at that because, again, we represent the industry. So some of that is going to be, some of that's going to be weather assistance program related. Some of that's going to be HUD related. Some of that is going to be uh, dealing with, you know, running state energy programs. But you also have market rate contractors who this is the one opportunity for them to come together and get technical expertise. Also find out from marketing experts on how to market their unique proposition of a whole home approach. Also presenters here who are showing folks who may be working in people's homes all the time now, what the advantages are of taking a whole home approach and how that can be very profitable to their business and how they can add that line um, there are $250 million in training dollars available right now to do anything from training people for becoming energy auditors or getting people into our industry. Well, taking advantage of those dollars and creating, if, if you're a HVAC contractor and you're not doing whole home, there's a tremendous amount of incentive right now for you to get into whole home. Not all of your technicians have to get into whole home to take advantage of that but you can train an energy auditor. You can go in, you can do a blower door test on homes. You can find out what the efficiencies are of it. You can start developing a sideline or a, a, a side business or partner with another contractor who does air sealing, get air sealing insulation, and then the unit for the house is, uh, and I'm sure some of the folks out there would be upset if I didn't mention um, you know, duct sealing and those kinds <laughs> of things. <laughs> So. I'm, I'm really surprised because I've not seen a show that has that many contractors presenting. People who have done the work. I mean, there's often you'll get, you know, a doctor from a university. You'll get someone that's a manufacturer. You'll get... I have seen more contractors talk about what works in their market right. at this show than any other. Well, and it's important because it's the only place they... It's not the only place they can go, but it's the largest place they can go to get it with the greatest variety of successful contractors. Uh, those contractors come in, you know, we, we have an exhibition hall. There's manufacturers here showing the latest, greatest, newest 
technologies, but they can also then go into the classroom and the same manufacturers who are in there could be talking about the science behind the development of the product and how they're doing it. There may be another person from their organization or their company who goes to another session who's learning how to actually do the work that's related to that. Um, advances in the technology, advances in the, in, the, um, in the way that they're actually conducting the work. And they get that hands-on here. And um, I, I have one company I talked to this morning. They have 15 employees here. It's just a significant spend for them to come and do this. But they meet as a group. They go through all of the sessions. They parse it out. They give each one of their uh, people on their team a direction to go. All right, you're going to follow these and come back. And, and when they're done with the conference, they bring it back to the shop and then they train their folks on the information that they received. I have to mention this because this is also unique. That conference app, I love it because I can go to a session, I can pull up the session on my phone. Write notes. I can write notes and have the slides Slide right there on there. my phone yeah. and then I can take the slide decks back with me mm -hmm. and go train my people. And, and we have some, some people when they're, uh, some participants who come will be torn between two classes that are offered at the same time and they'll go into those apps and they'll look at the slide deck to see the types of things that are, are going to be presented if they're loaded, you know, if the, the presenter has them in, in place already. And it helps them to make a decision, but also gives them a chance to take a peek at some of the other sessions that they were unable to attend. And we're thrilled with how it works. Um, you know, we went paperless about six years ago. As you go through that process, people are accustomed to that program and they want to see the schedule and they wanted, I think our calculation was 26,000 pages of paper that we don't print now as a result of using the app. And the app's far more nimble for the, for the user. You know, they're able to, like I say, write your notes in. They can download that. They can store it in their files on their, on their devices or their um, desktops when they're, they're back at the office and uh, or back at their shop. So it's, um, it's been very helpful. I love it. So next year's Minneapolis. Next year is Minneapolis. Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, Minneapolis. Uh, we're we're excited to um, get back into Minnesota. Uh, there's a history there in our industry. Of they've done some pretty amazing things there in Minnesota. Uh, we've tried to move the show around. You know, Seattle this year, West Coast. Um, we've not had an enormous amount of reach in the West Coast uh, historically. When you look at where most of the population is in the U.S you know, is East Coast within a couple hundred miles from the Atlantic Ocean and getting out here into the West Coast and seeing some of the things that the contractors are doing here, some of the things in particular when you're doing, dealing with Pacific Northwest has a lot of issues that, that uh, when you start talking about ceiling homes uh, is exciting. So when you get back into Minnesota, you're gonna be dealing with a lot of cold climate um, um, discussions up there with that. And you tend to draw, our group travels, I mean, we had, during COVID, we went virtual for two years. We came back out last year, was our first live year. We had 15, 1,600 people in attendance on that. We have an every other year agreement with Weather Assistance Program to sponsor. So they're with us one year, and then uh, they take their participants to Energy Out West on the other years. And uh, so in, in a non-Weather Assistance Program year, which brings more of their 
uh, their folks in. This is a weather assistance program year, and we recently, uh, over the last year, made a deal and created a partnership with HUD to have their grantees attend. So we have um, about six to 700 of their grantees here this year. So we have about just over 2,500 people at this show. Um, so to go from, you know, 1,500 last year, some people couldn't travel still because of COVID last year. Uh, some government budgets did not allow people to travel. So this is really our first year where it's uh, unencumbered by COVID protocol. We even had health screenings last year at, at our program. Don't have those this year. City of Seattle County does not uh, mandate that. So we're starting to see this post-COVID world of people getting together. That coupled with the passing of the legislation with all the incentives has really created a buzz in our industry that's justified. This industry is going to make a huge difference in energy policy for the U.S. You know, if we can if we can look at home stocks and retrofit homes and get a 25 to 30 percent savings um, in in fuel consumption, and we're fuel agnostic, we we don't care which fuel it is as long as you consume less. Anytime we go into a home and you're able to do air sealing and get the insulation where it needs to be, uh, get a blower door test on it to find out about the, the leakage and, and what you gained on it, which leads us to all the measured model discussion. Is it kind to call it a discussion? But, <laughs> um, you know, it, as, as we look at that segment of getting homes efficient, that's a huge energy savings. And when you start talking about a carbon footprint uh, whatever people's politics are, whatever their view is of energy policy in the U.S., I think we can all agree that consuming less while maintaining the same habits, I mean, people still have the same, they want their house warm and they want it warm in the winter and they want it cool in the summer and they don't want mold growing and they want healthy indoor air and they want the consumer's behavior can remain pretty consistent, but retrofitting a home, getting it air sealed, getting it, getting it taken care of, 25-30% savings. And I don't think there's anything else in the U.S. from an energy policy standpoint that can compare to that on, on the value if, if someone's looking at carbon reduction or they're looking at fuel consumption in general or, or production or acquisition, coupled out with renewable energy, um, nuclear and hydro and, and all of those, there's some really good gains that we can get in uh, reducing dependency on fossil fuels while while still realizing that in some parts of the country natural gas is a very effective and affordable they can consume less though by um, by addressing the house and, and mitigating leakage yeah i've always been a fan you know it's and i'm going to wind up writing a blog about it but you know adding solar to me isn't necessarily green only because I can just make an excuse to use more. And whereas when we fix the building envelope, we are truly cutting usage. Then I no can No matter what you Yeah, do. I can still generate with solar. I'm not saying don't generate. Right. I have homes with solar. But right. but my issue is if we cut the demand, we're really making the difference. A big difference. So now I want to go back to Minneapolis. So, so here we are in Seattle. Minneapolis is next year. Um, do you expect that to be a larger show or about the same size? Or uh, um, it, it will be a non-WAP year. So okay. weather assistance program uh, folks won't be there. At the pace it's going and with the information, we think a lot of the attraction that's coming into this um, 
has to do with the rapid pace in which, so the legislation led to the incentives, which led to a lot of questions. People have a lot of questions. How do I take advantage of that? How do, how do I, as a market rate contractor, take advantage of all these incentives that come out in there? So we see that part of the market increasing and attending the show. And I would anticipate Minneapolis, I, I'm sure we would see probably the same numbers because we'd have the weather assistance program agreement we have would, it wouldn't be a weather assistance program year, but I still see the program growing. And so we'll see probably these kind of numbers again next year. But the influx would probably be market and then, rate right, contractors. Right, the influx would be market rate contractors, would be additional HUD grantees, would be additional implementers on the ground in areas like workforce development. I think that'll be a good year, though. If, if you get workforce development, because, again, you, you said it earlier, we're all struggling to find everything. people. So if it's workforce development, then also indoor air quality related, and then on top of that, what we haven't even brought up, you can come here and get certain BPI certifications, correct? For sure. Well, what better thing? I can have my people certified to operate a blower door. I can learn how to market it. I can find out what the state's doing in terms of giving the money away and what you guys have coming next. It is a gathering unlike any other in our industry, just from the sheer volume of people that you're going to come in contact with who have knowledge in unique specific areas. And also, if you're a person at the higher end of your educational journey in envelope work, we are very conscious of the fact that we're gonna offer certain sessions that are uh, poorly attended, but they're gonna have people who can't get this information because it's elevating for the well-educated, well-informed person, you still have to take it up a notch. You still have to continue to improve their relationship. Much like if you're in a, if you're in a, Business 101 class at a university, there's going to be a theater of people with a professor. When you get to the PhD programs, uh, there's going to be, you know, two and three to the professor. We still offer those sessions that allow people to continue their journey, to uh, tease out new ideas, to challenge each other on what the assumptions are in the industry and how, uh, how they handle it. Then you have a awful lot of entry-level folks who are coming in and learning the skills, getting their certifications uh, or their credentialing for their certification. And then you have people who are learning about how to make their business profitable um, because nobody goes into business to not be profitable. Uh, we understand that. There has to be a value proposition to being a whole home contractor. Um, and so we put a fair amount of emphasis on making sure that those tracks are in place that educate business owners on how do I communicate to the people I'm talking to about ways for us to um, serve their homes and their needs. You know, there's a lot of consumers out there are not quite as concerned about energy savings as what we in the industry are. They don't care about that. They want a cozy home. They want a safe home. They want their kids to have less outbreaks of asthma. They want there not to be mold or mildew in their house. They don't want radon in there. I mean, they want a healthier home. At the end of the day, that envelope sealing and getting things tuned right is all about the comfort and the quality of the living experience in that space. That's what the consumer's interested in. Amen to that. And, and, and we have to, you know, 
when I first came in the industry and I was talking to different sage, you know, the people who had been in the industry forever, you know, one of them made the comment, I was coming from a contractor group, and they're like, you know, are we only concerned about profits? And I said, if you're a business owner, you are. Are you only concerned about that? No, but you are. That's what you went into business for. And so it needs to be a profitable space. We need to be able to articulate to the consumers what differentiates a whole house approach to someone who's going to come in and box swap. And if we can add to those numbers of whole home approach, there will be a distinct separation. There will be a bar between the people who are going to come in and do distress work and the people who are going to come in and do whole home approach and create that cozy, safe, comfortable environment. I, I have to say one thing. So a lot of people may not know the term box swap. I came out of HVAC. Sorry. Yeah, um, so <laughs> I'll, I'll tell for all our insulators, that's a person that does an air seal and shows up and adds three inches and expects that to change somebody's life. Yeah. You know, it's uh, you can't just throw a little more insulation on. That yeah. that's if if you've got air leaking through there, you yeah. got to stop the leaks. And so I love that. I, so now. Minneapolis is next year. Do you have the following year already mapped out? The following year is Austin, Texas. Austin. Hey, I'll, I'll be able to drive. <laughs> Austin is, uh, Austin was, uh, we were, so the first year of COVID, we were due to be in New Orleans. And uh, that show was canceled and we went virtual. We turned that program around in about six weeks to go from live to virtual. And the following year, we were scheduled to be in Austin. And... We were allowed to have the conference, but our participants were not ready to return. So what we did is we rebooked Austin. As opposed to canceling it, we rebooked it and, and deferred that booking into the, the next. And we're excited about that. And then we're currently shopping what the next. Um, so 24 Minneapolis, yep. 25 Austin. I don't want to let you go before asking any other new things for the organization? Are you guys looking down the road to expand you know, anything? I... We, we are an awful lot of our work right now. So we have an amazing policy team. Carousel Rinaldi, who leads our, leads our policy team through her company, Andil. She's a gem. Yeah, she's amazing. And her team, she's Skip and Sabine and, and the whole crew there. Uh, she's expanded her team. Uh, quite a bit. The space is really looking to them as the authorities in this industry. So BPA, Andil, uh, through that work, you know, essentially wrote this legislation, which was the Hope for Homes, was essentially Homes Act for a long time, which was incentives to consumers to energy efficiency retrofit their homes. And then during COVID, we had a hopes component of that. Hopes for Homes had training dollars on there to do remote training, online training, uh, to create people who are energy auditors and, and do this to, to uh, add to the numbers that we have working on solving these. Uh, that became less online as COVID waned and um, that bill ended up getting rolled into the infrastructure, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act in uh, August of last year and was passed with the $9 billion in consumer incentives and uh, $200 million in training dollars for our industry. And then there was also IIJA, which some people refer to as uh, Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, which 
also had millions of dollars in there for training for energy auditors. Well, and while you guys have never said it, I would probably throw into that that the work Skip, Kara, that you guys did on the Inflation Reduction Act, I really believe that helped pull through the 179D, the oh, 25C sure. yeah, at a higher sure. rate. Yeah. You know, the 25C before you guys went to work on this bill was almost nothing. It was, you know, I shouldn't say that. It was $500, but I that was at 10% of the material cost. Right. And so I think the raising of the 25C, the raising of the 45L, the 179D, the Homes Bill helped pull all that through. For sure, for sure. That that all became part of uh, the discussion at that. And, and you know, we've focused at the we focused on the home again, fuel neutral. Uh, a key part of IRA was electrification models. Those were things we can be generally supportive of, but they were not things necessarily that were in legislation that we were advocating. But as a package, when you start looking at what energy policy is in the U.S., there's still this enormous chunk out there that ends up in market rate, low moderate income retrofits, envelope work. Our team has been the voice at the table for years, and this goes back to previous iterations of the organization. You know, our organization was made out of five, six, seven different organizations along the years who have been fighting for these things, and then to see it passed in the new organization and then see the kind of growth. And then what we found after that legislation passed is that Department of Energy is going to give guidance to state energy offices. So there are 56 energy offices, states and territories, and they're going to give guidance to those states and those states have to implement. Well, some states have very robust state programs. Look at the state of Massachusetts, MassSave has a very large amount of money. Uh, committed to energy efficiency. How do we make sure that these things get braided properly? So you got this federal funding coming in, there's state, there may be local uh, incentives that are in there. How do we make sure all this braids together? And that's where uh, Department of Energy will be giving guidelines to state energy offices. State energy offices will then be going and setting up the, basically the rules of the program or the guidelines for the program and then implementing those. Um, we have been working with advocating and encouraging through our communication with the contractor network, our allied contractor network by state, how their state can take advantage of that and have helped raise that voice. So the contractors on the grounds voice is coming through our affiliate networks in our state BPA affiliate groups. And that information is then informing comments that come to Department of Energy, who then are giving the guidance back to the state. And then we're working with state energy office to implement those by giving them the feedback and convening those groups of, of stakeholders, contractors and, and program implementers who are in that space. And so we talk about the new things or the, the, the focus of what, what BPA is, is getting those state networks in place. A lot of folks would think of an affiliate network as more of a traditional chapter model you know, we have a state chapter of the Building Performance Association. We believe that there are some challenges with the traditional chapter model. Uh, this is not a pay dues at the state level and elect officers and have your meetings on Tuesday at lunch and have a presenter. I mean, that's not, these are affiliate networks that are really talking about how do we attract new candidates? How do we get them into programs? How do we take, how do we, how do we get them into programs that educate them on how to get into 
our industry. In some states, we've introduced Try Before You Buy 12-week programs where wage of the individual is underwritten for 12 weeks while they try out the job. While there's dollars there to train that individual, we have programs that are done through grants we do at the state level to draw people in, do job fairs, bring them in, have collateral for them, get them on the, in the green economy um, jobs to bring them in. We also went through Department of Labor and created an apprenticeship program. So we have a non-union apprenticeship program that allows uh, contractors to have a prevailing wage and apprenticeship program with individuals uh, in a non-signed, non-signatory shop format that allows them to take advantage of work that requires there be an apprenticeship and a prevailing wage. Who can they contact for that? Because the, the apprenticeship program obviously would be very attractive to very attractive. many people. Yeah. So who do they reach out to on something like that? They can contact, I mean, our, our website's building-performance.org. Uh, but if, if you go online, look at, at the Building Performance Association website, there's links on there for our workforce development, um, or they can reach out to us. I'm happy to field the calls. Our, our director of outreach is um, Zave Walters. So, and Zave's been a contractor for a long time. Great Zave, guy to reach out to. Zave started in New Jersey as a contractor, has worked in, has worked for years in this space, uh, is a great trainer, is well sought after trainer, uh, really has a keen understanding and a good network of people that um, really helped inform his, his understanding of the marketplace. We had a chance to hire him about a year, he's just over, it was a year in November, to come on and kind of lead these efforts. We brought in Maria and we brought in a data analyst to begin looking at an awful lot of what goes on in the states and assessing what they need has to do with data analysts. We bring Ruben in for this. So we've assembled this state coordination team and we're in the process of, um, we actually, if anyone's looking for work right now, we're looking at <laughs> an administrator for our, our state outreach. Uh, we're also looking for another state outreach coordinator. So a person who's out in the you know, a person who's out in the field uh, doing this. Uh, Maria Lewis, who came on with us, is, uh, had been in, in Syracuse, working for the city of Syracuse. Um, she's been very active in the past, in the past month, uh, identifying and helping uh, Puerto Rico better understand what their, what their needs and the direction that they're gonna go. An island has a very different set of needs, especially one that doesn't really require air conditioning or heating. So you, you get into a place like that and, and she's working with them to identify. They do a lot of solar water heating. They do a lot of uh, battery pack work. So we're working with them to help identify really what the scope of the work is. And they really just need people doing energy efficiency work. They need the workforce training and development. We're spending a lot of time on workforce development in most states, helping set up models to attract, retain, long-term uh, these folks and then also will have an increasing amount of information coming out on how to then transition to have your own company to run that company to articulate that value proposition there is absolutely no way the number of contractors we have today no matter how big they get are going to be able to do the amount of work that's to be done out there so we need every contractor in the market 
to expand. We need new contractors to come in. We need them to expand. And then we start, then we might start talking about reaching some of the numbers that uh, various administrations around the country want to see. I want to put some numbers to that because I've talked to people when, when we were doing 1.4, 1.5 million houses, we barely had enough labor to eke by. And yet, I know from my background, you know, production homes, my previous employer, uh, they would go do two houses a day per crew with fiberglass. They just go hang bats. So when we talk about having enough labor, we barely had enough when that crew could do two houses in a day. If I'm going to retrofit that same 1,500 to 1,800 square foot home, it's going to take that crew of two, two to three, maybe even four days, depending on the vac out, depending on a crawl space, depending on everything else. So now we're saying instead of two houses a day, it's going to take them eight times that amount of time in order to complete one. I totally agree with your point. We are so under staffed, under contracted in this industry, it's incredible. It is. Um, we have 110 million. It is mind boggling. When, when you start thinking of, you know, the US has faced labor shortages in the past. I mean, in, in the history of our country, before our country was a country, labor shortages happened routinely. And we always solved that through migration. We always reached out to people around the world and said, we have jobs, we're looking for people who can do these jobs, we look for people who are interested in these. We are gonna have to do that as, as a country, and this is not to really soapbox this too much, but the reality is we've always solved labor problems in the U.S. through migration. It's important for us, I, we have a program, Zave just did a training up in Maine for some new Mainers, people who had migrated to Maine were uh, asylum seekers. We did a class there. He did it in English. We brought in two interpreters, one in French and one in Portuguese, because the attendees in the class spoke French, some spoke Portuguese. So you have one class. These folks had job offers at the end of classes. They're contractors who, who want. So these people coming in, learning about the work, wanting to understand the building science, some have backgrounds in as electricians or uh, heating and cooling or in other countries that are in severe distress and um, seeking asylum in the U.S. And we are going after those groups of folks for training to say, choose us as an industry. This is a great way to make a living. Uh, it has a progressive wage. It's entry level. I mean. You and I are in the industry. I mean, you could be an association exec, you could be a podcast host and company owners and run. I mean, there there are so many areas that when you get into this, when you get into this industry, there's so many directions you can go with it. And there will be those times when you come in that you got to crawl. You get, you're in crawl spaces. You're in attics. That that's the work. And that's where the education happens, and then the blower door tests and doing the energy audits. And the more they start hearing from the consumer of, you cannot believe how comfortable I am in my house now. You cannot believe how much my allergies are down. You know, this has been life-changing. 
because we've all seen those circumstances where somebody has an audit done on their house, they get the work done, and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could be this comfortable in my house. I would have done this years ago. Would have done it years ago. We were going to stop getting sick. So if you're crawling in the attic or you're in the crawl space and you're doing this work and then you hear that consumer talk about the life-changing difference of the comfort and the coziness of their hopes and, and the quality of, of life in that, uh, it's infectious. And when we talk to people at this conference, I mean, we have 2,500 people at this conference and you can talk to almost any of them about Tell me, tell me a story about what got you excited. Why did you want to come into this industry? What, what got you here? And we see new faces every year. We have hundreds of new people uh, here who are contractors. And they said, oh, my cousin asked me to come help him on a crew. And I went out and I did this. And then I started looking at what we were doing. And this is the real deal. This is making a difference. This is really serving the consumer. This is doing something good. Uh, on a global level, this is doing something, uh, I like the work. And then you find out how quickly those people progress through the ranks. Well, then I was a shift supervisor, and then I started going out and I started doing the audits, and then I started working with managing the crews, and then pretty soon I had my own company, and you know, we rolled one truck, and then I next thing I knew, we were rolling 10 trucks or 15, and well, then, we figured out we were having a hard time finding a reliable insulation company. So we started our own insulation company. So we had our air sealing company. We had our, our uh, insulation company. We had our own electricians, plumbers for doing the heating and ventilation. We started doing duct replacement. We started doing, you know, and you start hearing about these growing businesses that take this whole home approach and it, it, it's endless. I mean, if, if there is a desire for somebody to be of that mindset of creating that business and moving it, or if they just really enjoy the work and are, are good at it, their career, the career opportunities are amazing. I, I would add to that also. I heard something from a totally different perspective because it, it pays well. But I'm not going to tell you, you know, oh, you're going to make beyond Google money. No. no. But I'm amazed that some of the people that get laid off in some of these other industries are people that are behind a desk. And then they came to us during COVID. They hit the end of the day and they said the way that they feel compared to when they worked a desk, they sleep at night. They go home, they take a shower, they rest. And it's just, it's been life-changing for some of them. We, we used to talk about, you know, with the contractors, they talk about... We shower at the end of the day, not at the beginning of the day. Uh, when they talk about the differentiation between being in the trades or, or, or working with your hands versus being in, in an office. And uh, there is something very fulfilling about getting your hands on a project and start to finish seeing something happen. We showed up and the house was in disarray. We brought out an agency to do barrier mitigation to get the roof fixed and the door back on its hinges and then we went in and we did this and we did that and we did the other and and they passed those houses and they got the kids in the in the truck and they point you know they that's so, it right and, there and if you talk to their kids their kids are like ah oh, dad's always pointing out all the jobs they did or you know mom always says oh our company did this and we did this and i did that addict and it, it's very exciting to hear those stories of 
people taking pride in seeing things in their community that they made a difference in. And those changes have lasting effects on those homeowners and health effects and just comfort and, and quality of life. And there are few things you can do in life that really provide you that kind of uh, feedback and what you're doing is, is that helpful, so. I agree. Well, as you can tell, I, I love the organization. We appreciate I, it. Uh, I look forward to getting this out to our people. And guys, seriously, you got any questions at all on the Build, Building Performance Association, reach out to Zave, reach out to these guys, come to a show. Don't miss out. Come to a show and see what you think of the organization. Quite frankly, they're doing more for you than you probably realize. And if it's in your area and they're working locally, like the local offices, join in, become part of the program. It's going to help you grow your business. So with that, you know, thanks for listening. Be sure and share this with other contractors in your area. And we look forward to talking to you next time.